You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And welcome to episode 8 of the Needless Things Podcast. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I am one excited luchadork right now. We are less than two weeks away from the greatest science fiction and fantasy convention in all of the world, Dragon Con. Uh, I'm super stoked. Dragon Con is a huge deal for me every single year. Uh, one of my favorite things about Dragon Con, aside from the costuming, aside from the panels, aside from the famous folks that show up, aside from all the crap you can buy in the dealer's room, the very best thing at Dragon Con is wrestling. What? What are you talking about? Wrestling? Yes, Dragon Con Wrestling. Friday night, 7 p.m., the best show you can possibly see all year long. There's absolutely nothing like it. I will be there. The rest of the DCW hooligans will be there. If you've read Needless Things, you know who I'm talking about, and you know what we do. We'll be in the front row. We'll be giant assholes the whole time, and it's awesome. Uh, there could be adult beverages involved. But anyway, that's my big Dragon Con plug for today. DCW, Dragon Con Wrestling, Friday night, 7 o'clock, in the Hyatt Centennial Ballroom. It's amazing. Even if you're not into wrestling, it's, it's, it's a hell of a time. You've never seen anything like it. All right, on to business. Remember, you can download the Needless Things podcast from iTunes and from Stitcher, uh, which personally I'm very impressed by that, that, that I've made that happen, because that was a, a tricky bit of business, getting that figured out. Uh, and I also want to say that AtlantaShirts.com check them out i'll get a little bit more into that on the next podcast and uh you'll know what i'm talking about but for right now i'm just gonna say atlantashirts.com now i just said the next podcast and that's crazy pants because i've got two podcasts coming to you during my pre-dragon con coverage here on needless things I never imagined I would have my own podcast. I never imagined I would be kicking off my Needless Things Dragon Con coverage with a podcast, but that's where we are. Uh, next week's podcast, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise unless you're a longtime fan of the show and of the site. Uh, this week's podcast, I've got DJ Spider. Uh, if you don't know who DJ Spider is, she is a DJ. And she is also a near-legendary costumer. Uh, you see her at Dragon Con. You see her at Heroes Con. Uh, Heroes Con is where I saw her and had an amazing conversation with her and a couple of other folks about costuming because it's something that's just kind of caught my attention this year. But sat down, talked to her for, you know, better part of an hour at least, and the whole time I was sitting there like, why the fuck am I not recording this? And and I wasn't recording it because we were sitting in a loud bar and it would have sounded horrible. But uh, I've wanted ever since then 
to repeat that experience. And we got pretty close tonight, and even better, my co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, joined us, and he is also a costumer, a, a former and perhaps once again costumer. His duties uh, running the puppetry track for Dragon Con and being part of Bob and Carl sci-fi janitors keep him rather busy. But uh, we have a really good conversation, and honestly, I just want to get right to it because it's kind of a long one, and you don't really care about my intro. All you need to know, iTunes, Stitcher, NeedlessThingsSite.com, and here we go. Time to talk costuming. Time to talk Dragon Con. here today with my lovely co-host, Mr. Bo Brown, and the fabulous DJ Spider, and we're going to do some talking about costumes, because guess what? It's time for Dragon Con, and without costumes, Dragon Con, well, fuck it. Why would we even <laughs> yeah. go? Uh, let's, uh, let's give Mr. Bo Brown the opportunity to say hello. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm good. I'm very good. And uh, DJ Spider, how are you? I am in better spirits than I thought I would be this close to Dragon Con, so things are good. So you're you're ahead of schedule, I understand. I am ahead of schedule. It's only July, and I think I will have everything finished for myself um, by the weekend. And that's wow. just there's no like last minute panic. The problem is, is now I'm going to come up with like 17 other costumes. Oh, I have time. I'll just make this real quick. And that's it's that's a trap. Good. It is a trap. That's <laughs> exactly right, but. No, it's 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 actually kind of nice. It gives me a chance to tweak some of the costumes that I'm bringing back that I haven't had a chance to fine tune some pieces on. So I actually am sort of leisurely going into this. It's it's nice. <laughs> That's a good place to be. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I shouldn't get used to it. That's not me. <laughs> so, Mr. Bo Brown, head of uh, the puppetry track, how are you and your Dragon Con preparations? Uh, the schedule is pretty much. 99% solid. Uh, I'm still waiting on like one or two confirmations of things. And I'm, um, uh, now that the announcement has been made, uh, hooray, Fraggle Rock, 30th yeah. anniversary, puppetry yes. track, super Yay. exciting. I've still got a little back and forth between Henson and Dragon Con and, which is a crazy awesome place to be, but, um, <laughs> you know. There's yeah, how a many lot people of can say that? <laughs> Not a lot. I'm pretty proud um, of that, but uh, there's a lot of back and forth. Uh, just making sure everybody's happy with you know everything that's happening, and and for the most part, everybody is. We're we're tweaking a little bit of a surprise right now, so um, that's going to be. So let me just say this: uh, if you want to come to the Fraggle panel, get in line early, and it might change your experience. That's all Ooh, fun! Only here on Needless Things can you get That's tips right. from the pros like that. That's right. Yeah, I'm 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 in a pretty good spot with my Dragon Con preparations. I mean, I've got you know you've got your bank you put together. I'm solid there. I've I've got uh, a couple of things I've got to do for some panels. I've still got to talk to Billy's Toys, uh, proud sponsor of the show, about getting stuff for the panel because last time for the Doctor Who toy panel I did, I just bought some stuff. But for well, hey, dude, Con, go to Big Lots. <laughs> Come go on, to Big man. Lots and buy a bunch of Masters figures. Well, yeah, right. 
<laughs> yeah, that'll be my Come giveaways. On, yeah. Yeah, here's Molar. Right. People will be thrilled. I actually gave a Molar away at our Royal Rumble party a couple of years ago. See, there you go. So Spend and, 30 uh, bucks and have three great giveaways. Yeah, absolutely. Not too bad at all. Um, well, we're going to uh, kind of do some intros here now that we know how we're doing and the progress we've made towards the biggest nerd fest in the world. Uh, Bo, tell us a little bit about your nerdery. We, we've gotten little bits and pieces the times you've been on the show, but I don't feel like you've ever gotten a full introduction. Well, I, I think I'd like to keep things maybe a little bit on the costuming front for this podcast. Because yeah, um, I am retired, um, but back in my day, I was I was very active in the costuming community. Um, I, uh, I placed in Wizard the, the illustrious Wizard Magazine costume contest three times and uh, won twice. Um, which back in the day, that was like kind of the gold standard of your superhero costuming world, uh, was the old wizard contest. And, mm-hmm. um, so I, I won the grand prize with my Max costume from Sam Keith's The Max, uh, which is one of those costumes that, you know, not a lot of the other people did. So I had that going for me in the sense that there was pretty much zero competition. Um, and because I come from a mascot type, puppety background, uh, you know, it was a really big, oversized type thing, which even fewer people do, um, you know, so I haven't had a lot of competition against my Max costume <laughs> that I've seen out there, uh, so I get to sort of rest on my laurels on that one, and then um, came in, I think, second with my Hush, Batman Hush version of Scarecrow, um, and then I helped uh, build uh, Alan's Sasquatch costume. That Just also. Oh, so huge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was great. I, I got to live in Alan's house for a week. <laughs> drove down to Florida and, and lived in his house and, and built it on his porch. <laughs> it was cool. He said, um, he, was, so yeah, he said he was still raking, um, orange fur out of his Florida room for like two years after that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, I did, um, I used to do a, a Flash Rogues group. Um, I have a Captain Cold costume and a Mirror Master costume. Uh, loved the rogues groups. I re- that was one of my favorite groups to do because it was always like, okay, we do our photo shoot. Now we go to the bar and we drink beer and, and do our photo shoot in the bar because that's totally what the rogues would do, which is great. Uh, and, and then you, you um, can uh, even be seen dancing in uh, Les Sexoflex, who I provided, that's provided right. the music for this very podcast. Ooh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, so my, my Eric, intro. Is this off the new album, I guess? Yeah, it's, uh, cool. I, I got the backing track. She, she sent me the backing track for Procrastinate, which is, nice. you know, if there's Pretty any pro- song that's mine, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the yeah, intro music. Yeah, you can see, uh, Mirror Master and Captain Cold doing the Marriott Cox spot in the, uh, Marriott Cox spot video. That's right, which, w- which will be our outro music on this episode. Fantastic. Uh, let's see what else. And then, um, I used to do the Tenth Doctor. Uh, and then sort of hung that up after everybody and their cat did it. And then I did the 11th doctor. Um, like when all we had was like images before he, before the show, the, the 11th doctor had even started and we just had like a couple of pictures. Um, I did it back then. And, but, uh, but then, you know, that got out of hand. So we, well, I hung the doctors up. Even then, I mean, that was, uh, that was still a time where you would go to a con and not see a thousand doctors walking yeah. around. Crossplay yeah, um, and cosplay and dog play and whatever else you can think of. There, there's a, particularly the tenth Doctor. Yeah, 
just has everywhere. been kind of the death. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I Doctor Who hadn't really hit big in the states when I was doing the Tenth Doctor. Um, and you know now you can find the fabric everywhere, and you know you can buy a coat. And you know when I was doing it, you know you had to finding that that pinstripe fabric was just a huge pain in the butt. It was a really, really hard material to find. And now, you know, now you can get it everywhere. But um, that was a great challenge. I, I work with a really fantastic tailor named Sean Patton, uh, who does a lot of my uh, tailoring work. You know, I build the sort of big costumey type stuff, but I want something really tailored nicely. I, I go to Sean and you can check him out online at SMP Designs. He's done a lot of really fantastic stuff. If you know um, Riddle, he, he builds a lot of stuff for Riddle. Well. well, and and that's I think that's an important distinction to make, and we'll get into this a little bit more uh, in a bit. But there's a big difference between doing what I do and sort of throwing a costume together piecemeal and and not having anything that's actually fabricated uh, yourself and actually making a costume. You know, there, there's right. a difference between going to K and G and buying a pinstripe suit and putting a trench coat over it and actually replicating the doctor's suit from the show because that's a very yeah. different thing that's made for David Tennant by a wardrobe person it's it's not off the rack yeah my um my 10th doctor costume is 100% handmade uh the the jacket the coat is the the suit is totally from scratch and um the uh i mean i guess not the tie and the dress shirt but the pants and the and the jacket and then the coat were all original from from Sean and that that's definitely a big distinction uh spider what uh what who are you and what do you do? <laughs> um, let's see. I, uh, I'm a cosplayer and a DJ. So, uh, you know, the DJ in DJ Spider is actually legit. Um, I have spent a lot of conventions and that's a lot of fun because I get to be a giant dorky nerd, um, and uh, spin goofy music and as well as dance music and just have a good time while being in costume and not have people look at me funny because they totally get it. Um, I, have uh, been a cosplayer for about I guess 10 years, 10, 11 years, although I've always loved Halloween, so I feel like it goes back a lot further than that. I have uh, a number of costumes um, under my belt. I'm kind of known for doing things that are a little bit more obscure and off the wall in terms of costume design. So, sure, there's a Wonder Woman, but I'll probably do a Elseworlds version or a, uh, a, a variant that you don't see that often. Um, I come from the 80s, 90s era of comic books I collected as a kid. So that's where my big love lies for a lot of the original costumes that I knew Dazzler. then. The, I know, Dazzler, Allie <laughs> Blair. I think Allison Blair is my first crush. Um, she was absolutely the first superhero costume that I did uh, back in 2004, I think. Um, yeah. But she was the first comic book that I collected avidly. Uh, she and also Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld were the first two big comics that I collected. So that I oh, actually wow. went to, yeah, I went to the store every week and picked up the new issue kind of thing. So um, it was... Before uh, Amethyst was cool. Exactly. And then they completely <laughs> destroyed her with this new 52, but we won't go there because it just makes me sad and angry and want to hurt things. Um, the uh, But since then, you know, I've just... It's, cosplay has been a great way for me to explore... Um, finding other people that like these more obscure characters or these more obscure references. Because if I walk around in something that I know is kind of obscure, I know that people aren't going to recognize it right away, and that's fine. The ones that do, though, totally get it, and they totally just get excited about it, and that totally makes it yeah. worthwhile yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it so makes their day when you find, like, when you do an obscure costume and you find that, like, when a one out of the 80 people in the room that, like, loves that character, they just lose their minds, you know? Yeah. It's such a treat. 
Well, that's Bo, you and I have talked about that before, that that thing, whether it's with, with humor or writing or, or cosplay or whatever, it's a little more satisfying to get those few people that absolutely love you and want to have your babies for your obscure reference than right. to please, you know, tons of people. And if you can yeah. do both of those things, that's great. But that, that little niche please is, is mm-hmm. extra rewarding. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it totally is. And it's, you know, it's fun and there's, um, the chance to, you know, really dig around and find a character or learn more about a character. Um, I've done costumes because of the challenge involved with it. Like how am I going to keep that on my body because it's cut all the way down to my navel? Um, <laughs> those kind of challenges are for a woman are, uh, for me, are, are a combination of exciting and, and I want to kill every artist that ever thought that gravity works that way on boobs. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been a cosplayer for a number of years. I'm a active member on the Superhero Costuming Forum, which is actually where I know Bo from. Um, I I'm have... a sort of honorary member of the SCF. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were so involved with the Sasquatch costume for that Alpha Flight group that it was, you know... I, Seeing all the pictures that Alan posted as you guys built that was just insane. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, and- I have nothing. The, the SCF is a, is a fantastic, wonderful organization, and if you're even remotely into um, superhero costuming, I I cannot recommend it enough. It's an excellent, welcoming, great community full of really, really talented, awesome people. So, yeah, yeah, they're 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 phenomenal, and they're really encouraging. Um, plus, I've you know I've gotten to know some of them. It's what's really neat about cosplay is you get to know people. Um, as people outside of the group, and there are very few people that I've met through costuming and cosplay that I think are completely total idiots. Almost everybody I've met has got a huge heart, has just great, amazing qualities, and I'm so happy that they're part of my life. Um, I can't imagine not having them in my life, whether they're in spandex or not. Um, they're just amazing people uh, all the way around. But uh, I do uh, about a half dozen conventions every year, um, kind of small potatoes. I just go for the fun. Um, my, my boyfriend likes to say that his favorite position on me is face down, ass up in a box of 25 cent comics underneath the table. Um, <laughs> Cause I'll be rooting around in there for like an hour. You can just leave me there. Um, and uh, then, you know, I'll, I, you know, I'll dress up when I get a chance to do it. Um, I've started taking commissions steadily for the first time this year. So that's been fun to see Um what people want in their costumes and getting to explore characters that I wouldn't choose myself, but the challenges that come with, with building those. Um, and uh, I am very much looking forward to Dragon Con because I get to combine both of my passions, cosplay and DJing. So I have a busy schedule myself lined up for that. Do you know yet what night uh, you're going to be working? I will be Friday night. Um, and uh, that's the night that I've done for the last couple of years. And it's great for me because it usually frees up the rest of my weekend. But uh, the Friday night, late night dance, I'll be DJing. So at 2 a.m. Saturday morning or whenever the last band ends um, until everybody goes home. Um, but this year I'm lucky. <laughs> Shut because it down. <laughs> when everybody's exhausted and hammered. Um, and when they're giving each other back rubs on the floor, it's time to stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually my big giant signal. Um, but this year I've got the, the geek goddesses will be dancing on stage with me. So I will have some lovely ladies shaking their bouquets. Um, and then I will also be DJing at the aquarium for the Aspen Comics, um, part or, uh, night at Dragon Con or Dragon Con cool. night aquarium. So I did the aquarium last year, which was a ton of fun. Um, I got to do, a, I got to get people to do a conga line. It was fantastic. 
Um, so I'm doing a beach party theme this year, and then I'm also going to be DJing the burlesque show on Saturday night. So I'm pretty much bouncing from the aquarium right over to the burlesque show to DJ the burlesque show, um, and then after that I can be a normal human being. As yeah, I was going to say that sounds dangerously close uh, to cutting in on on personal party time. Well, luckily for me, I have a pie resource, so things actually move very mm. smoothly. Hi. <laughs> That's uh, we're all there's so much Dragon Con going on, and we're going to talk about that uh on the next episode, which will actually have aired by the time everybody hears this one, because we're doing things weird around here. Oh. But uh, what was everybody... I'll, I'll go ahead and kick this one off, because I want to talk about... You know, I I have a deep love for costuming and costumes ever since I was a little kid. Uh, and, and I think most people, you know, like in some way dressing up. I mean, we all start out with Halloween, and I think it kind of starts there. And as you get older, like any other kind of nerd obsession, it either goes away or it doesn't. Um, and when I was a kid, Halloween was the biggest thing for me because you got the costume, you got to dress up. Uh, and I, I'm sure each of us, uh, now, now granted, I, I've not pursued it like you guys have, but we've each got our own costume that has been kind of our first big thing that we've put together and really, I guess, figured things out and had a certain look that we had to achieve. And the first one that I really made on my own, as opposed to having any store-bought pieces whatsoever, uh, I did Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face from Batman Forever. And I had no idea what I was doing, so I literally spray-painted the purple tiger stripes on half of a suit did the same thing with a uh, button-up shirt, uh, spray-painted the yellow and black. It's it's not really quite a leopard print. And then uh, did the same thing with a tie, and then painted up a shoe, had a glove, and then did some latex uh, prosthetics on my face. And it's, honestly, it looks good for, let's see, 16? Yeah, right around there, I think, 16-year-old. It looked pretty darn good. I was very proud of it. Couldn't really walk around very well because spray paint's not all that flexible. That's much. But, uh, you know, it, it looked awesome and I wore it a couple years in a row because I was so proud of it. And, and it really, to this day, it's probably my favorite thing that I've done. Uh, and, and it just, it was very interesting to, to have references and, and have pictures of that costume pasted up. And then once I put mine together to sort of go back and realize, wow, there's this that's totally wrong and this doesn't look right, you know, glossing over the whole spray paint thing. But uh, I'm, I'm, you guys had to start somewhere. Uh, Spider, what was your first kind of real costume where you were, you were making an effort to make something really look like something else? Um, I think it was when I was uh, DJing for a club in the Caribbean, and uh, which is actually where I grew up. And I was getting ready to do a um, uh, the Halloween party, and I was going for kind of a share look. And I had crafted, I'd done some research, I pulled up some of her costumes, and there was no way I was going to be able to do anything on the Bob Mackie level that uh, she certainly did. But I had this like little bell-bottomy pantsuit thing, crop top thing worked out. And by the time it was done, it had gone from, you know, and I was actually pretty proud of it. I hand-painted stripes on it. It was pink and white and orange, and I had a big pink wig that I wore with it. Um, but nobody really got the share reference. They started calling me Hooker Barbie on acid. And <laughs> so that, that was... description of share. 
Yeah, well, it was it, it worked and it didn't work. But then after that, um, I, you know, I was goofing around with costumes and just doing things that I thought were interesting. But I really didn't do any comic book costuming um, until I went to DragonCon for the first time in 2003. And I remember going down there, jumping in with both feet, you know, not doing a little small convention, but going down for the big one. And then just looking around going, holy crap, I have found my people. And went back, came back to Charlotte, and the next year I had a Dazzler costume, her classic silver suit, and a Gem and the Holograms costume um, put together. And I was super proud of those, um, although I actually just posted, um, I, I pulled up an old uh, picture of that Gem costume and was just horrified when I look at it now. But everybody starts somewhere. So, you know, uh, you know, you learn a lot over 10 years, 10 plus years of, of working with materials and working with fabric and, and figuring out how you want to portray something. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being, you know, at any level, you know, where you are, you have to, st- everybody starts somewhere. So my gem costume, I remember I was sewing on the floor because that was for some reason the only place I could get the sewing machine hooked up and the stitches were terrible. I had a problem with my bobbins. So like the undersides were all sort of ratted, nasty, knotted stitches. It was just a disaster. And I look at it, how ill-fitting it is now. And I'm like, ugh, 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 what was I thinking? Um, <laughs> But uh, it was fun, and the people that recognized it totally, you know, had fun with it. Um, walking around as Dazzler was super fun. I love the hell out of Dazzler, so any of her costumes I get a chance to do are fun. But her silver original silver suit still makes me super happy. And that was one where I actually went and researched the fabric and researched the costume and went to a big, giant fabric store and found silver stretch vinyl and had an actual mirror ball around my neck and hand-mirrored bracelets and spent hours painting, you know, silver squares on a pair of boots, um, just the whole nine yards. So it was, it was awesome. That first time it was awesome. And it was, it had to be a pretty massive learning experience as far as how to assemble the different pieces. Oh yeah. I can't imagine how people did this before the internet. Uh, The internet has just got so much information on it between YouTube and forums and asking friends questions and being able to get an answer right away because every type of fabric is going to work a little bit differently. You'll have a different needle You'll have a different thread, a different way you've got to sew, different tension, any number of things that can happen with it. And it's something you learn over time. Um, you learn what fabrics you like to work with best, and, and sometimes you have to make sacrifices because the fabric that will be perfect is $37 a yard, but you've got something that's comparable, you know, at $10 a yard, you're going to do that. Um, you, so you, you learn to figure out budgets and, and workarounds um, to do what you want to do. Um and you just you just run with it. And every year, I think I learn a new skill or I pick up something new or work with a new material. So, it's that's been a great learning experience right there. I've you know I've worked with resin now, Wonderflex, Warbler. I'm using Warbler for the first time this year, which is sort of a it's like Wonderflex, but it's got a lot more stretch and give to it. So that's been a lot of uh, of fun to work with. Uh, I feel very happy with with what I've accomplished with it so far. Um, it's uh. Yeah, it's uh, it's a new skill set every every time, and it's always fun. You know, that's an interesting point, uh, and it's something I've never really thought about before. But I mean, you can walk into a con now and kind of immediately see the effect that the internet has had on costuming because oh, if you the look game at, has totally changed. Right, if you look at Absolutely. pictures from you know the the eighties and, and earlier, really probably even up to the nineties of you know any any of the like New York cons or anything like that. The costumes are are much more uh, homemade looking, let's say. 
and it's obvious now that there's a lot of skill sharing, uh, and, and just the general knowledge, like, like it has with everything of costuming and how to do it has kind of spread and improved everybody. It's, it's, it seems to have become, I guess, more of a shared community thing. And I think a lot of people are bringing different skill sets to it because the interest is, has broadened. So people are bringing other skill sets in that probably people hadn't applied before. So, for example, mm-hmm. Bo with, with the puppetry end of things, you know, he's able to visualize these oversized costumes and the structure behind it, and that's a skill that he can bring to cosplay versus somebody who's good with electronics and lights and bells yep. and whistles can pull into it. Everybody's bringing new skill sets in, and it's just impacting the the hobby as it is really tremendously. Well, I always feel like it's important to play to your strengths. You know, I mean, I know my skill set isn't with fine tailoring, so I know when to bring in someone else if I need some elect. I, you know, I've I've done some minimal electronics and costumes and masks and stuff before, but you know, I know when to go to somebody else. You know, I'm not. You know, some people are really hardcore obsessed with doing it all on their own. Man, I, I know when to bring in a specialist when, mm-hmm. if I want something done right. I'm going to get somebody who knows better than me, you know, and I will learn in the process. Just exactly what Alan did. Alan wants to do Sasquatch. So he brought me in to do it and it was a big learning experience for him. You know, he and he, the things that he learned when I was there building Sasquatch and showing him how I do everything and introducing him to L200 and, um, you know, the different kind of materials that, that I use for my trade, you know, he's now incorporated those into his skill set. So yeah. we all help each other. Yeah, it's really neat to see what, you know, what people are doing with it and, and the directions that they're going. Uh, every time, the DragonCon is, it's called repeatedly the red carpet of costuming, and I absolutely believe that. People save yeah. their biggest and their best for DragonCon. And I love, if I could be in two places at once, I would be the happiest girl in the world, because I would spend most of my time just washing costumes and talking to people, and then the other me could go run around and do all the, the panels and the DJing and, and everything else. I've promised people that I'm going to do. That leaves me no time to do anything else. But just to sit there yeah. and watch people and watch the costumes, that's that's just amazing. Like, I'll turn my head. I don't follow anime. I'm not an anime girl. I'm not a gaming girl. But I can see a costume, and I can go, holy crap, that's mm-hmm. awesome. But yeah, again, it, but again it, it really depends on, I mean, it's really... Attitude is 90% of it. I can see a phenomenal, huge, giant robot that blows me out of the water, and then I talk to them, and I'm like, okay, you're you're a dick, and so this is not as much fun to talk to you. And then walk down, one of my favorite costumes ever was at the Marriott a few years ago. It was Sunday night. The masquerade had left out, let out, and we were coming up the, stair- or up the escalators, and four guys came out, and they set up a fence and a cooler, and they were just standing there drinking. And then they had <laughs> jeans... And wife beaters on, and they were the king of the hill guys, and they just stood there and they drank, and it was brilliant. It was awesome. But so one of my, uh, yeah, one of my favorite low low impact costumes one year was a big group of my friends got together and we uh, were anti mutant protesters from X Men. <laughs> so we just sort of like dressed like we dressed like rednecks and we made picket signs that said like no muties in our schools and you know out of the gene pool mutie scum and we just sort of wandered around the convention getting drunk. Until we ran into some X-Men and then we're dicks to them. And it was awesome. And of course, as soon as we rolled up on them, they were totally in on it, you know, and it right, became right. this like big street protest kind of situation. It was, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. And sometimes those low impact costumes are the best, you know, it's just like, especially if you are he- heavy into costuming, like I was at the time, it was like, oh, I just want to do something that's still a costume, but it doesn't take four hours to put on and, you know, um, and is comfortable and I can breathe and my feet don't hurt, you know. Uh, yeah, so I, I like those, yeah. 
Yeah, you have the drinking costumes, and then you have the big show-off costumes. That's yeah, how absolutely. we kind of break it down. <laughs> I have the drinking costumes. Everything <laughs> I have is low impact. Look, it's a purple suit. Great. Yay. <laughs> That's, uh, the costuming is what made me love Dragon Con again. Uh, cause I, I went when I was younger. I went a couple of years and, and had a really great time. I, you know, I saw the Misfits at one point and that was awesome, but I didn't really get it. Uh, I didn't go to panels and I didn't get fully into it. And then a few years ago, maybe 2006 or seven, I guess, uh, I kind of returned and, and actually it was even earlier than that because it was the year I met my wife. So that would have been 2004. But anyway, I returned and me and a friend of hers just hung out in the Hyatt. This is when the Hyatt was still the hub. Yeah. Like where everybody hung day. out in their costumes. And the fire marshal. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> the mouth uh, of it, the dragon. It yes. was Friday night and, and this Jeff, uh, Jeff Estopheles, I call him. Uh, me and Jeff Estopheles are hanging out in the Hyatt lobby and, and I was like, well, what are we going to do? And he was like, we're going to stand here. It's like, oh, oh, well, okay, that's cool. We can hang out. You know, you're cool to talk to. And he was like, no, look at this. Look around. Yeah. And it just hit me like a wave because I hadn't really been paying that much attention because, you know, oh, it's people in costume, cool, whatever. But I just stood there and took it in as opposed to worrying about where we were headed or what was going on or anything else. And I was like, oh, my gosh, these people are fucking magic. Mm -hmm. Like, without the cosplayers and costumers, Dragon Con wouldn't be what it is. It wouldn't be the escape that it is because, to me... The very best of anything is when you can escape and like Disney World. You go to Disney World and you don't see a gas station. You don't see a Kmart or a Walmart. You're in the Magic Kingdom or whatever. And at Dragon Con, you're immersed in this world of Klingons and stormtroopers and fairies and whatever else because of like you guys and all of these other people who put all this time and effort into creating this magic atmosphere. And that's what made me like, wow, I'm coming here every single year now. Yeah. Setting yeah. up shop in like a high traffic area where you're not in the way. Cause that's important. But, and just watching the show is, is a, is a pure delight of the convention, you know, when, and I've had that exact same feeling and, and, and just like standing there and just like, Look at all this. I mean, to me, like, Dragon Con is already, like, a religious experience. There's just something about being there that, that, you know, just tingles my soul, you know, and just looking at these geeks all feeling like they finally belong somewhere and, and, and just how happy everybody is and all that stuff means a lot to me personally. And, and just to, just to sit there and let it, let the convention just sort of wash over you is something I try to make time for, especially as busy as I am now. With, with there, but I always try to make a little bit of time for that, you know, just it's, to sit there and take it all in, and it's just a beautiful thing. You yeah, know? it's we call it our dysfunctional family reunion. Uh, it's mm-hmm. you get down there, and everybody has got their own, you know, their own geek, their own nerdity, their own thing that they're a total fan of. But it all works, and it all meshes together. And there's, you see pictures, and it really doesn't, you know. I see these pictures. Oh, here's the Marriott, you know, from the, you know, ninth floor looking down. I'm like, that doesn't be, even begin to encompass no. what it's like to, no, no. you know, every time someone's like, well, what's Dragon Con like? I can never find a picture that that really shows what Dragon Con is like. You can't. It's it's a feeling. It's a it's a all encompassing, embracing, chaotic pile of of 
bright colors and spandex and friendships and, and, you know, pushing and shoving and, and it's just, it's dragon. There's no other way to describe it. And you can't really put it into pictures. You have to experience it. That's the only way it works. Well, you're, you're never going to find so many diverse elements coexisting so well. I mean, you don't, yeah, there are a few bad seeds, but for the most part, it's just a bunch of like cool people wanting to share all their cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. We did the the first year that we did the Puppet Slam, um, which was uh, two years ago. Um, we did the slam, and it was a huge success. I mean, you know, like two thousand people got in line and didn't get in. It was insane. Like, you know, I had never been a part of anything that big before, really. And so we, we, we finished the slam and, and me and all the other puppeteers, we went back up to my hotel room and we were, everybody was celebrating and just having a great time. And, and, uh, and I, and I, I was sort of near the door to the hotel room and I was watching all of my puppet friends, you know, drinking and celebrating and, and just feeling so great and everything. And then behind me was the door and I could hear Dragon Con on the other side of the door, the, the roar, you know, the, the roar of the dragon. And it was like this sirens call. I was looking at all my friends and being like, there's dragon con out there happening without me. And, and like, I just sort of slipped away. I, I just, I was so proud of everything that we'd done, but like, I was still at dragon con and I, right. and I just couldn't like party with people who I see all the time. Like I, I wanted to just dive into the, the sea of that is dragon con and just let it take me wherever it wanted to and just sort of surrender you know, to it. And just, I just went and wandered around, like just wandering around by myself and meeting strangers and making new friends. And, and, and all that is, is huge to me. Cause I used to travel with a real tight group at Dragon Con for years. And it, and I was sort of like the leader, I guess. And everybody was like, where are we going now? Where are we going now? Where are we going now? And I don't know if you've ever tried to move like nine people through Dragon Con. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. It's yeah. impossible. That, and it's, that a, doesn't and work. it's a giant pain in the ass. And so I sort of, a couple of years ago, swore off that. I was like, look, it's Dragon Con. You guys figure it out. Have fun. I'll see you later. I see you guys all the time. I, I'm going to go make Dragon Con friends, you know, and, and hang out with people that I may will, may only see one night. But there's just, there's just something about just like surrendering yourself to the convention and letting it, you know, the tides of it just take you wherever it's going to take you. And, and some of my best experiences have, have happened when you just sort of let go. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And DJing, you know, for con is, is this huge, you just don't realize how big it is. I never realized how big it is until I see, you know, somebody's, you know, footage later, somebody shot some video at, you know, the Marriott and you don't realize that there are 3000 people out there, you know, dancing and, and using lightsabers as glow sticks. And there's a bar <laughs> two D two and there's a mobile dance floor and a mobile stripper pole and, and everybody's just dancing and having a great time. Cause when I'm on stage, DJing, I can only see three or four, you know, rows, you know, in front before the lights kind of kill the rest of the people out there and I can't see anything. But just the energy that comes off of them and the looks on their faces and they're just all there to have a good time and they're all there to, you know, just be with friends and, and, and find like-minded people and it's just, I can't go to sleep afterwards. I'm there, you know, I'm wide awake, you know, for another hour after that, just, you know, feeling that rush over me. And then, of course, I try to go to sleep, and then there's the parade, and that wakes me up. So, you know, there's just no sleep at Dragon. <laughs> are you, so are you, um, do you usually stay in the Hyatt then, I guess? Yes, we have stayed in the Hyatt. Parade? Actually, every every year that we've done Dragon, we've stayed in the Hyatt. Uh, I just yeah. have a good experience there, and we stay in the International Tower, which is the best. That is the best. Dragon. Yes! You know, you yes! know the secret. Yes! 
We shouldn't. Why did we tell everybody? Well, because yeah, you just blew big, it. It's too now that, oh, yeah. hotel rooms. <laughs> That's true. But the now international there are be thirteen tower, more people booking rooms there yeah, next year. The international tower is totally where it's at because it's in the Hyatt. But you don't have to wait. I mean, this was—I guess this was more of a big deal back in the day when when the Hyatt was more of the heart of the the convention. But you know, like the international tower elevators don't take three hours to take a ride. Right. You know, and <laughs> and I've always, you know, I being in the Hyatt means you can have a balcony. And mm-hmm. I don't spend a lot of time in downtown Atlanta, and I certainly don't spend a lot of time in like a high rise. So for me, like the sitting on the balcony, like having drinks with like two or three friends. And seeing the Atlanta skyline is like a unique experience to me to Dragon Con. And so like that's another one of my sort of like Dragon Con experiences is like, you know, just hanging out on that, on that balcony, you know, away from the roar of the convention. You can, I mean, you can hear it down below, but just like looking out on the city, you know, in a way that I only ever see at Dragon Con is, is totally another one of those like sort of Dragon Con moments that really just always get me, you know. Do you know the secret of the 22nd floor at uh, the International Tower? I don't. It connects to the main tower on the 22nd floor. So if you need to go to a party and someone's like, hey, my room party's on, you know, room 20. Oh. The 22nd floor in the International Tower connects over to the tower, uh, from the tower over to the main Hyatt, you know, rooms. So you do not have to wait for That's amazing. You hear that, everybody? Dragon Con pro tip, (laughs) DJ Spider, the 22nd floor. That's right. We're going to have to rename this episode Secrets of Dragon Con. That's right. There's apparently, a, there's apparently a secret way to get from the Hyatt to the Marriott underground, but I've never done it. But apparently there's a tunnel no. that puts the Hyatt and the Marriott underground as well. Yeah, yeah. There, well, the, I mean, the Hyatt just keeps going on down forever down there under the yeah. under the International Tower. Yeah, it just sort of keeps going. I've I've never actually seen. I always go down there and I get confused and and uh, and and then, but it, there's always some other hallway going off somewhere into the darkness. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah. Yeah, once you start getting into the guts of a hotel, it can get a little sketchy. Yeah. I don't Nobody likes to see how the sausage is made. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, go, um, going back to where we started, Bo, what was the first costume that you put together where, where it was really something where you wanted to, it to look a certain way as opposed to just, oh, I want to dress up like that person? Well, my, um, my mom was a seamstress and, and she always had a sewing room in the house. So I, I came to, to costuming pretty early with, with my mom making costumes for me. So Halloween was always a big deal, you know, the same old story. Um, but I, I would probably say the first costume I ever really threw myself into, um, was one year for Halloween. I wanted to do, I, I was like crazy into Halloween when I was a kid, especially in, in late middle school. Totally crazy about it in high school. Still pretty crazy about it in college. And then sort of by the end of college, I started to, 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 I guess, adjust or whatever to a more average geek. But like literally in, in, in high school, I wore orange and black every day. I had, <laughs> I had black boots with orange laces and, and that was my color scheme. That was like my shtick because I was the orange and black Halloween guy. That was my whole deal. And, um, and uh, so I did this like, Black suit, orange undershirt, black tie, uh, orange pat, orange and black patchwork gloves with like white stitching. And then I, I got up at like four or five o'clock in the morning before school and I, I used liquid latex and tissue paper to build a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> <Yes>. face <laughs> on my head. 
So I built up layers and layers uh, until I had the jagged teeth and the, the the triangle eyes and the triangle nose, and then you know painted it all up with makeup. And so I had this sort of like jack o' lantern man about town sort of thing. I was obsessed with jack o' lanterns. I had like fifty jack o' lanterns in my room of very I sort of collected them and everything. And um, so that was so that was like you know a commitment. You know, getting up at like four o'clock in the morning for Halloween kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you know having this glued on mask that you know was not going to be salvageable you know it was just going to be destroyed to get it off my face at one point right um, that's how my two-face was i did the exact right. same thing it was all just latex and it was, mine was actually toilet paper yeah wadded <laughs> up and then acrylic painted purple yep yep so yeah so that was sort of my i think the first costume i ever really like put a ton of effort into and i had other stuff like i did a dr jekyll and mr hyde costume one year and um a handful of other things. Uh, but I think that was the first one that I really sort of threw myself into and, and made it my own. I wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to be this other thing, but like, I'm going to be this, my own character kind of, you know, uh, type deal. Um, and my mom was a, uh, she wasn't a seamstress, but we always had a sewing machine around and she would make, you know, clothes for my sister and I, and we'd have matching outfits when we'd go out for dinner when we were kids, my sister and I, and the same thing, and my mom and sort of a, a you know, a grown up version of it. You know, she hemmed mm-hmm. curtains and, and did all that stuff. But her sewing machine yeah. was this ancient 70s avocado green singer that she <laughs> constantly would, you know, it was a beast. I mean, she, I don't know how many times she, you know, ran the needle through her finger kind of thing. It scared mm-hmm. the piss out of me. Um, it was the beast. When it came out, there was serious stuff was going to happen. Um, <laughs> and uh, then when I went to college. kind of machine you mess around on. No. Right. No, no, there was no, you know, it wasn't my so easy, you know, little cheap right. yarn needle. This ain't for hem and um, pants. <laughs> exactly. It's uh it was it was a monster. So I was kind of scared of sewing for a long time and then when I went to college I uh ended up getting involved in theater. Um and there was a lot of uh, uh I, my mom was really proud of me. She's like, "You learned to use a sewing machine and a radial arm saw all in the same year. That's fantastic." Aww. Um but yeah, the sewing machine in the costume shop, you know, I would, you know, help with the costuming down there, but it was always for shows. It wasn't anything that was for me specifically. And then, you know, when I graduated, my mom got me my own sewing machine, which was a little, you know, white singer that was much lighter and not quite as scary looking as the big green monster. But yeah, it's, it's interesting when your parents are, you know, or your mom or somebody in your yeah, family grew up have it somewhere. Yeah. yeah, you're not, it's, it's easy to adapt it into your life and imagine yourself doing it. I mean, I used to make, take the scraps and just tape them onto my Barbies and, you know, make little Barbie clothes out of pieces, you know, clip holes and scraps of fabric and, and dress my Barbies up in the pieces that my mom wasn't using. But for the most part, you know, I really didn't start sewing till afterwards, but it wasn't like I couldn't visualize it because I'd grown up around it. There was, you know, it was just something that was, you did. Yeah. I, uh, I was also a theater major in, in college and w- I was actually planning on being a costume designer at, at that time. And I remember like everybody taking the costume design class and I was like, you know, I'll, chip on my shoulder. I was like, oh, yeah, I already know how to use a sewing machine. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> I, was that, I was that asshole. Um, <laughs> Just too cool for the class. Oh, yeah, I was way too cool for costume, costume Where, class. Now, now, did you go to the extent of uh, starting to show the other students how to do it? Uh, not so much. I, I, I ended up getting, like, the attitude sort of bit me in the ass because then the teacher was like, well, I expect more from you both than the other students if you're going to have that kind of <laughs> attitude. She, she totally turned it around on me and, and judged me much more harshly than my peers. Um, That's right, kids. So so there's pro tip uh, number four or five right. from this episode. If you have a talent, keep it 
quiet. That's right. <laughs> Slowly reveal it. Yes. You you could put it trouble. into your work, but don't don't talk about it. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I did do one of my other big costumes in college was I did um my Seder costume, um, which I wore my first or second year, I think it one of my one of my later early years of DragCon. And um, you know, now that kind of stuff is, you know, you see it all the time, but like I built these I bought a pair of big platform high heels and chopped off the heel. And then uh build padding into the thighs and uh, where the ankles were to help, because I was trying to create that satyr silhouette in the leg. Right, um, right. Which is, you know, completely inhumanly possible. Um, uh, but I, but they ended up being, like, much bigger. So, like, you know, a satyr you'd think would be, have these sort of, like, little dainty sort of hooves cl- clopping around like, you know, Mr. Tumnus or whatever. But mine, by virtue of having to still support my weight and have my actual feet in there were these big clunky monsters of things. And uh, in order to walk around on them, you had to, you know, it was like wearing high heels, except you couldn't even rest on your heel. You had to throw all of your weight forward onto the balls of your feet, which made you stand also a different way. It made you sort of get to pull your knees forward and, and, and sort of lean over yourself in order to even balance. And, uh, one of the years that I, I wore it way too long and I'm like all drunk and, and clopping around Dragon Con. I was like young and could, you know, still walk around shirtless back then and, uh, and all that. So <laughs> it was, it was some good times, but like I literally, and, and you know, the elevators situation was terrible. So I had to go up the stairs a couple of times, which oh, was gosh. just a disaster in those things. I hurt myself so bad that I had to literally fill the bathtub in the hotel room with ice. And, and just laid my legs in, in the tub full of ice. I, I just wrecked, absolutely destroyed my legs. Cause in order to walk like that, you know, you're using muscles that you don't ever use, ever. Um, you know, those are those special muscles that are still hereditarily there from when we used to walk on four legs that humans <laughs> don't use anymore. And, uh, and man, what a mistake. <laughs> that, so. it's, that was a perfect story cause I was getting ready to segue into our next bit, which was going to be, What's a bad costume story? Yeah, that's that you that you have. That's a bad <laughs> costume story. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, that costume is great. It got me laid, but uh, it, I suffered for <laughs> it's it. It's a satyr. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that was that was cosplay. I was like, I was in my prime, you know, looking good. Had some nice horns, curly brown hair, you know. Yeah, that was good stuff. But man, it was brutal, <laughs> brutal on yeah. the body. Yeah, I always warn people never ever. Uh, you, you never want to pick up a cosplayer, especially a woman, because chances are what's going on underneath the costume is not something you ever want to see. Um, yeah. There are there are more straps and more padding and tightenings, and the undergarments alone in some costumes, you know, are just ridiculous. Or the costume is so sensitive, it's going to take you an hour to get her out of it. And by that time, your libido is pretty much deflated. So hooking up in costume, not recommended. It just it's I always I just I have a box in my garage that's labeled boobs. It's filled with stuffed bras. It's, oh, you too? Yes. Exactly. It's all different bras that have been stuffed in one way or another because spandex compresses everything, yet mm-hmm. you've got all these comic book artists that insist on drawing women with boobs that float magically, you know, because gravity doesn't work on a double B set. Um, there's just no way that's going to happen unless... Hey, the invisible woman just uses her powers to hold hers up. I think that's probably the only way that that happens. Um, this latest trend of drawing these costumes that have no visible connection across the bosom and they're these just big open spaces that apparently the costume just is stuck to whoever's wearing it. You know, the new Phoenix costume or not Phoenix, I'm sorry, the new uh, um, uh, 
uh, Star Sapphire uh, costume. That's oh yeah, yeah, not, yeah. It's just like how does that you know the the Molotov cocktails outfits. You know, it's, I've done both of those, and I can tell you there's a whole lot of prayer and sticky tape <laughs> and toupee tape and you know spirit gum and anything else that you think might actually keep everything in place. Because dear God, if anything pops out, you know. Plus you've got. I mean, I'm not that well endowed up top. Um, I'm kind of a B minus. So I always have to pad things out anyway just to get any sort of shape up there. So there's, you just, I'm not, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna shrink six inches, the hair's gonna come off, the boobs are gonna come out, it's just not gonna be the same person you picked up. You know, just, just don't do it. I, th- I think the, the Venture Brothers, uh, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public are to blame for the down to the naval opening resurgence. Ugh. With, uh, Molotov and, uh, Dr. Mrs. The Monarch. Mm hmm. Yep, and and it's funny because I got they were confronted with a, a question about about that at one of the panels, and there was they were like, "Come on, it looks cool. What 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 are you gonna do?" <laughs> Which I like the honesty in that. Yeah, yeah, and I and well, I can't know. say anything because I I end up, I mean I've done Molotov, so I you know, and I've done costumes that have had you know I did Dream Queen the year that Sasquatch uh, was out with Alan, and I did Dream Queen, which is another you know naval bearing costume. So there are ways to do it. It's just while you're doing it, you want to spit and curse and, and, and just your posture is really good. Your posture stays really, really good while you're wearing something like that. I'll tell you that much. So what, what gets you to want to make a costume? I, I would imagine with the hours and hours. Well, first, you know what? Let's start with that. What kind of time frame are you talking about? And obviously, Spider, you're you're at a point now. I'm sure you still spend an ungodly amount of time putting a costume together, but it's got to be a more efficient process than it was for you, you know, six seven years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, what what is your process like? What what is your planning stage? What is your okay? I need these materials. Okay, now I actually start putting things together. How how does that go? Um, I usually keep a, I have a, a wish list, uh, sort of a folder on my computer that I just, any costume that catches my eye or anything that I think, ooh, that's kind of cool. Um, I stick it in there and then when we get to about January after the holidays are over, I kind of go through it and anything that catches my eye, I kind of stick into, a, you know, I put it all together and I, I kind of post it up on my computer, um, as a background, um, a collection of costumes and anything as, if I keep getting drawn to one over another, then, you know, those are the ones that I narrow down and I start researching and then I, I figure out, okay, what do I need? I need, am I making it out of spandex? Am I doing it out of vinyl? Do I need anything special? Does it need interfacing? Does it going to need any sort of special props? Um, is there a sword? Is there a mask? You know, I, I figure out what the materials are that I'm going to need it and then I start pricing them out, um, seeing if I can even find the colors, find the anything that will match, if I have anything already on hand that I can use. Um and then I kind of cost it out and figure out, you know, how much of a of an investment it's going to be, and if it's, do I have all the skills I need to do it, or am I going to have to, uh, you know, kind of contract something out to somebody else? Uh, for the most part, I've been able to do almost everything myself, or I've figured out a way to do it. Um, and of course, once I finish it, then I figure out another way that would have been ten times easier and faster. But I think that's just the rule of costuming: is that once you finish something. You figure out, oh, I could have just gone from A to B rather than going from A to C to L to Q back to B. Um, but uh, it's it's a faster process now. But I, for me, the biggest things are okay. What what are the costumes that are kind of a challenge that would, that'll be interesting to do? Because I can churn out spandex suits, you know, 
night after night if I wanted to. They're just not that interesting. Um, I like something that's got some interest to it. I like costumes that have a detail that's something I could figure out how to do. I like costumes that are going to make people laugh. I love anything that somebody goes, oh, my God, that is the worst costume ever. Nobody should ever do that. Ooh, I'm in. I'm totally <laughs> Is there a headband? Dude, bring it over here. Headband and leg warmers? I'm totally all over that shit. Um, I, I, just, I just like it when people roll their eyes when they see me. I love it when a creator sees their costume come to life. And they're oh, just, yeah. Oh, you didn't. I have, like, I, have a oh, good, yeah. I have a good one of those stories. Yeah, do you? <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to have mine this year, actually, because um, I'm doing Troya from the Teen Titans, and it's one that George Perez designed, and it's this mishmash of armored shoulders and a, a weird kind of Greek pleated skirt and a Starfield bodysuit that's higher on one shoulder and lower on the other, and these grills on her gauntlets, and it's just all kinds of stuff, and it's steeped in... All of the, oh, well, she got this piece from this god and this piece from this god and this mystical thing from this god. Honey, it's a hot mess. And <laughs> so it had to be done. So it, I just actually finished the last piece on it tonight, so it is currently hanging with a, ready to be um, to be brought down to Dragon Con. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when it's something that someone... I've done Looker, Looker from the Outsiders, which is the most impractical costume oh, on the planet. Because it's got one long leg and then one high-cut leg. It's got one fully gloved arm and then one sleeveless arm with a cute little glove. It's got one shoe here and the other is an attached boot. It's got a big freaking bow on one hip. Somebody calls it the Neapolitan, someone online called it the Neapolitan ice cream costume. And that's totally it. It's pink and black and white and blue. And it's ridiculous. And so I had to do it. Because that's what I do. <laughs> I think really anything with a massive bow on it already has a certain amount of appeal, right? I, I would agree with that statement. <laughs> but that's but again, for me, it's like okay, what are people going to roll their eyes on? What are people going to laugh at? What you know, is there a group that you know people are trying to pull together? And there's a costume there that I've always wanted to do. <clears throat> that's how I did Dream Queen for the Alpha Flight group. I'd always wanted to do her, but without the rest of Alpha Flight there, it kind of really doesn't have any frame of reference. Yeah. Um, but then when, you know, they pulled together that Alpha Flight group, I'm like, oh, so there, I can finally get Dream Queen done. And that was a challenge. Um, I discovered that uh, evil does not look evil and menacing when crab walking through the habit trails between the Marriott and the Hyatt. <laughs> it's a lot less, less evil uh, doing that. Because um, I was about seven and a half feet tall between the horns and the heels and, and everything else. And I was still short next to the Sasquatch. I was still short next to Alan. Why, thank you. <laughs> Let me ask you guys. There, there's a phenomena that drives me absolutely nuts at Dragon Con. Uh, while you're there, you will see sort of the... Now, obviously, you'll see lots of different people all weekend long. But you'll run into the same people all weekend not people that you know just people like oh there's that gladiator again or oh there's that italian wolverine again or or whatever there's the that case joker who who refused to shave their beard and dyed it green because you know the joker always does that right yeah and yeah and i've actually crazy. seen that guy oh i hate that guy but <laughs> it, but you see sort of the same good good or bad you know whatever the case may be the same folks and then after con is over you get on Facebook or you get on the blogs or you get on the Dragon Con page and you see hundreds of awesome costumes that you didn't see the whole entire weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I know that I have tons of people who are con friends that I only see at Dragon Con and I, you know, don't even see them at all. 
you know, you, you just sort of hope that you run into them. Right, but right, there's right. There's 55,000 people, you know, you're, you're only going to run into a very tiny fraction of them. And, you know, it's like, oh, you were there? Okay. Yeah. I guess I didn't run into you. Um, I do that all the time. I see the costumes after the fact. I'm like, how did I not see that? That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and, and it's just you want to go and take a closer look at it, but it's you know kind of like a scratch and sniff computer. It just doesn't happen. You can't go and part your way into the screen and tell them to turn around so you can see how they connected something to something else. I think that's actually why I like the big DC and Marvel photo shoots that um, are organized yeah. every year because yes. I get a chance to see these costumes and I get to you know that I know my friends have been working on. But also, just hey, we're all in the same place at the same time. Stand still, you bitch. Let me take a look at that, you know. And just <laughs> just looking at things and and trying to figure out, you know, a who it is under the makeup, and but b also just like wow, that came out great. It's it's a huge giant for me. It's just I get so excited to see what my friends have come up with and what they're wearing and what they've worked so hard on to actually see it in person. Just thrills me to death. So, Bo, tell us about your you you had your own creator costume pleasant experience. What happened there? I did. It was it was very pleasant. Um, this was back when I you know was still costuming and everything. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was also a fantastic costumer, and so we were doing a lot of duo costumes back then. And so we did um, Gunwitch and Halloween Girl from uh, Dan Barrington's Nocturnals. And let me just say uh, that I saw that Gunwitch mask at. The last episode, and that thing is amazing. And you thank have you. a very small head compared to mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, th- thank you. Um, so, so yeah. So the Gunwitch costume was really great, and I, it was my first time building my own latex mask. And uh, my girlfriend helped me help me make the costume, and and we were like driving around to shooting ranges and asking for their spent shells for his like bandolier. Uh, and it was, a, it was a fun costume to put together. And so anyway, so Halloween Girl has this little jack-o'-lantern that she carries around, the little plastic jack-o'-lantern, with these little, like, totem toys that are, like, they look sort of like, not totem poles, but these sort of, like, totem-style versions of, of like, mo- classic monsters and devils and things like that. So I sculpted a bunch of those for her to have as props in her, in her jack-o'-lantern. And so we went to um, Dan Bre- I still don't know how to really pronounce his last name. Brereton. 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 And he was super nice. And, uh, and so he, he like went total gaga over the little sculptures. And, um, was looking at him and, and said, hey, do you want to do a trade? Uh, and I said, yeah. So I traded him two of my little sculptures for his art, which was just like, wow. I had never, I never bartered with like a real artist. <laughs> you know, like, uh, so he has two of my, uh, two of, he has my Nosferatu that I did. He wanted the Nosferatu and the little devil. And he says that he has a shelf in his studio full of just like crazy stuff. And when he needs like background imagery for, for panels, he'll just sort of look up at his shelf and pick little things off of the shelf and draw them into the, the background. So I'm hoping that he may have done that. And, uh, I have my little original, uh, uh, art of his that that um, they weren't even prints; they were like real deal wow. stuff that he did. Um, so those are you know some of the jewels of my geek collection are, are those wonderful things that I didn't pay for. I traded art. Well, for. and your your creations have have in all likelihood worked their way into the pages of Nocturnals, which is one of I one of so. the most yeah. awesome comics ever. It is really <laughs> rad, and it's beautiful. God, like every panel is just gorgeous. Ugh. So but you've got an interesting perspective because you've been on the other side of this interaction as well mm. with Bob and Carl. It's true. I have been on the other side of the table as Bob and Carl. And, um, man, that is weird. Um, when the, the year 
last year when people came dressed up as my puppet characters was one of the most surreal, amazing things that's ever happened to me. Um, we love I, Bob and Carl. Bob and Carl are awesome. I actually, I will track down cosplayers that are doing Bob and Carl just to get pictures of them. Those are, those are some of my favorite pictures. I love Bob and Carl. It's, like I'm it's having really, a fangirl moment right now. Oh, well, and, thank you. And what's funny is Bob and Carl aren't even the like little niche characters that we were talking about before. Everybody who's been to Dragon Con knows who Bob and Carl are. And, and yeah, many weird. people who have not. I mean, they, they are at a certain level of like, dorkery and and recognition so that well i look at how many were in the parade last year yeah that was uh, that was just amazing um and like that there's like a picture of that on like cnn of the janitor swooping up after the parade and you know i don't know you know this year has been kind of light on material for us and i don't i don't know if people are going to dress up this year or whatever but um i hope so because it sure is cool um <laughs> Now, sadly, we're not going to have a booth this year. The sci-fi janitors will not have a booth because of um, the two other sci-fi janitors guys just aren't able to be at the convention this year. Um, and I'm super busy with the puppetry track, so we can't just like sit in a booth and meet and meet people and sell T-shirts all day. Um, so we will be doing our panel like we usually do, uh, where we'll film a live episode with the fans. Um, unfortunately, it's going to have to be late. It's going to be at night, which means that, um, you know, our kid fans who we love, because we love our kid fans, uh, are, are probably not going to be able to make it, which is bad. And I'm, I feel very, very sorry and I apologize for that, but it's just, it's just how it had to go down. And then of course we'll be hosting the Puppet Slam again. The biggest Puppet Slam in the world, might I add? <laughs> it is actually the biggest Puppet Slam in the world. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. This is it in the same room as last year? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was. We're going to. That had to be another. We're going to kinda... try to have it. You go ahead. We're gonna try to have another projection screen, because um, I know that the people who were on the side of this, the side of the audience that weren't directly in front of the show and weren't in front of the one projection screen, kind of had the crappy seats, because uh, puppets are small and they're hard to see. Um, but the logistics of that are are still sort of up in the air, so we might not have the two screens. And I'm sorry. All I can say is get in the line extra early to not have to sit on the crappy side. Um, so yeah, two hours. But the slam's gonna be. Of course, amazing this year. And, and we will also, of course, always be out there entertaining the line. Um, it's not just a line. I'll have puppeteers out there. I mean, last year we had Peter Linz with his puppet from Between the Lions entertaining the, li- entertaining the line. So it's, I'd like to think it's the best line at Dragon Con to stand in because you get entertained by actual puppets. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, James uh, Marsters is not going to come out and dance for you while you're waiting in line. He's not. For the Buffy he's panel. not. But we will. But we will. I guarantee you that Madison J. Cripps will come out there and shake the dolls for you, uh, <laughs> and give you a little show as, while you wait. So, so to get back uh, on the the costuming a little bit, which, which is the, uh, another important thing about Dragon Con is you can go there to learn about costuming. They have panels, uh, mm-hmm. and pretty much anybody wearing a costume is going to have at least a little bit of time to talk to you at the very least about the costume they're wearing and how they made it. Uh, mm-hmm. I've I've never had any kind of negative experience with somebody in costume because they're there to have fun. Clearly, this is a person who is there to enjoy the con, who is into what's going on, and who wants to talk to people and and interact and and just have fun. Uh Spider, you you have 
when we sat down and talked at Heroes Con, I really have no inclination towards trying to create a costume ever again. But just talking to you about some of the things that you you said as far as beginning and everything like that, I was like, oh, maybe I should try it again. And then, you know, a couple of days later, I shook that crazy notion off. But it was very <laughs> inspiring sitting there talking to you. Um, what what kind of things do you have for the beginning costumer? Um, the the biggest thing is is do what you're comfortable doing. I think that's that's the most important thing that you start off with. You're going to have certain skill sets. You're going to, nobody comes into it, you know, right out the bat, you know, with a big giant, um, uh, you know, a, a big giant dragon. You know, they start small. Um, do something you're going to be comfortable in. Do something that you're going to have fun with. Um, your first costume out, and even your 17th costume out, something goes wrong. Something always freaking goes wrong. Something will break. Some, a snap will come off. A piece doesn't sit quite right. Uh, you forgot something at home. Things will happen. Don't let that prevent you from going out and having a good time in your costume and your cosplay. Um, do what you're comfortable in, in doing. Um, know that it's a... it's We're a bunch of nerds and dorks and geeks and we're running around in costumes. This is the equivalent of running around when you're five years old with a towel around your neck out in the backyard pretending to be Superman. <laughs> we're just, we're just grown-up versions of doing that. So go out, have a good time. If you see a costume that you like, Talk to that person. You know, if, if somebody's wearing the same costume as you, big freaking deal. Big whoop-de-doo. Go ask them. You're going to find something that they did differently on yours. You can have a convention with 17 Harley Quinns and 3,000 Phoenixes, and that's fine. Everybody's going to be slightly different, and you may find something that they handled differently than you did, and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, how'd you do that? And most of the times, most people will just be, oh, I did this, and you're like, oh, my God, that's awesome, and you take that information and you go, you know, you bring it back with you for the next costume that you do. Um just have a good time. Don't, and this is my biggest pet peeve in the entire world, um, people are there having a good time. There's only so much you can do as a costumer to try and mimic the the, the comic book character or the anime character that you're trying to, you know, they're, they're not real people. You cannot be that person. You can get close, but you're never going to be that person. So if somebody doesn't look exactly like the character, but they're having a good time, let them have a good time. I don't care if yeah. you're a 300-pound guy running around a Sailor Moon or you are doing a crossplay, or you're doing, you know, uh, there's some gender bending going on or maybe the ethnicity isn't quite right. Are you having a good time? Do you love the character? Yeah. Rock on with your bad self. Keep calm and cosplay on. I don't care. Just have a good time and do not knock anybody else, you know, for, you know, doing that as well. That drives me up a... a Freaking wall is when yeah. cosplayers and, and people get catty with each other. I mean, in any community, in any microcosm, you're going to have people that don't get along, and I get that. But you know, just appreciate the fact that they took the same amount of time as you did, you know, to put their costume together or buy their costume. Once again, I don't care if you made it or you didn't make it. Are you having a good time? The whole point of this is to have fun and to have a good time. So please, by all means, have a good time. That's that's the number one thing. Have fun. I really love this sort of new, uh, within the last couple of years, this sort of like inspired by kind of trend that, that we're having in, in costuming where, you know, in a, the TARDIS dress, I guess, is, is, and the Dalek dresses are, are you know, the, the most recognizable aspect of that. But like, you know, the, 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 the girls who are making the Pokemon card dresses and, you know, uh, the, 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 just the, 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 the 
that people don't feel that they have to be married to, well, this is exactly how it looked in the comic, and I'm trying to do this exact reproduction. But, like, costumes that reflect the spirit of a character, I think is really cool. And the and sort of the gender-bending thing goes along with that. It's like, well, I want to do my female version of Superman, or I want to do my, you know, the the gender-bent Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. You know, um, I, I, I really am excited by that whole, because it's sort of, it's like an, it's like the natural evolution of the art form in many ways. Yeah. It's like we, we, for years it was like, well, okay, we're, costuming means, you know, taking these characters and, and bringing them off the page into the real world. And now it's totally sort of starting to go off into, it's evolving into these other directions. And I think that that's really exciting to just be able to be like, yeah, this is my Batman inspired ball gown. Well, and I think that yeah. is where it has awesome. to go. Because what we were talking about earlier with how much more information is available about how to make the costumes, how much more advanced mm-hmm. costumes are making, uh, or becoming, you know, yeah. you can go and see 20 incredible Superman costumes, whether it be from Man of Steel or New 52 Superman or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think now we're getting to the point where I want to see people's own original takes on things. I want them yeah. to put a little bit of themselves, not literally, because uh, that's going to happen anyway, into their costumes. A, a little bit of more personality than just, oh, there's Batman. You know, I, I like the idea of, oh, that guy's a robot Batman, or, you know, some kind of, which, you know, is kind of what I do when I when I do wear a costume now. And again, I don't fabricate anything. I throw stuff together, but like, I do a fourth doctor, I do a third doctor, but it's all in purple and green, my colors, right. and I wear the mask with it. And, you know, mm-hmm. anything that I do I now yeah. is gonna be that. And, and I actually, uh, I think this is another important thing as far as etiquette goes. Don't offer critique unless it is asked for. Yeah. That yeah. is incredibly rude. And, uh, really just makes you look like a gigantic dick. And not in a good no, way. I agree. It's, it's always just enough to just be like, hey man, love your costume. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's all, that's all it needs to be, you know? Or hey, wow, you look really great. Congratulations. Great job. Yeah. You know? That's all people want to hear when they go out. Yeah. You know, it's, that's, that's why I'm out there. It's, you know, I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it because it's funny. I'm doing it because I think somebody will get a kick out of it. I'm doing it because I've always loved the character. There are a number of reasons that I'm doing it. But if one person recognizes that I took the time to do it and they're like, hey, great job, that totally makes me completely over the moon. That makes me happy. You know, and I don't care if they're, you know, a, you know, a star that's passing down the hallway or it's, you know, somebody that's in the art room or somebody that's at a, you know, at one of the parties. I don't care. I just, you know, if somebody recognizes and says, hey, great job on this, I'm happy. It makes your day. I yeah. mean, it totally makes your day every it makes, single time. You know? It makes all the hours of hot glue burns and, you know, sewing and mm-hmm. pinprick needles and dropping things and losing things and, and stabbing myself in the kitchen with various implements trying to fix something. <laughs> it makes it totally worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. I would like to, I would like to now take a moment to talk about dream costumes. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. The, those costumes that, that are, are still just outside your reach that you've always wanted to do. But they've they've somehow eluded you for whatever reason. Mm, I, have I have several, mine, and I'd like yeah. to hear yours. Um, I have two that I would uh, one day like to do. Um, one is Feral from X Force. Um, I really like the 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 wolfy lion type 
uh, concept of the character, but I didn't want it to look like a furry suit, so I started looking for stretch fur, um, because I figured it had to exist somewhere. And it does at $50 a square foot, so it is, yeah. Um, I can't remember, it was a, a Hollywood-based um, fabricator. Maybe. Um, it's It's been a few years since I went looking for it, but I'm a tall girl, so $50 a square foot, that's going to be yeah. expensive costume. Well, for all you for all you customers out there, if you want to get the real deal stuff, National Hair Tech is the the gold standard of faux fur for uh, movies and film uh, and TV and stuff. So if you if you have the if you have the money to spend, that's where you go. Yeah, and they um, you would have to get a lot too because they never even did a version of Feral with more costume on. No, no, she's wearing pretty much um, a, a V shaped bandage um, <laughs> in pink. So yeah, and I had I had it sort of figured out in my head how to make it work. It's just really the the, the fur was going to be the the most expensive part. The other thing I would love to do, and I've got some friends that are kind of helping me with this and working on it, is you see a lot of phoenix costumes at con. Um, what I would like to do is I would like to do a phoenix with wings that light up, um, so that when I spread my arms, a huge giant Alan Davis phoenix kind of comes up behind oh me, sort of pops up. But I don't want it to look like rope lights or, or Christmas tree lights or any of that stuff. Yeah, sure. that's tricky. Yeah. And I don't want to white out people's cameras when they take pictures because I thought about using reflective material. Um, it's it's really a, a it's going to be an engineering feat because I want it collapsible. I want to be able to walk around in it. Um, Ooh, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. And I, <laughs> <laughs> those are my two dream costumes. Right I would there almost that say like up. you could do it and backlight it. Like yeah, like you could do. Yeah, you could do it with like gels or something, and then just, you know, like we did with Sasquatch, where we sort of parked ourselves up against that wall, mm-hmm. and we're just like, all right, we're gonna lean up against this wall because this is really painful. Yeah. So Alan's just gonna lean up against this wall, and we're all gonna stand around him. That if you if you just used your space and said, okay, I'm gonna hang out here, and we're gonna plug this lamp in over here, and it's gonna shine on my back so that the cameras don't see it. It hits directly on your back, but then lights up all the stuff. See, I've, I feel yeah, like... I, carrying carrying all that battery around and... and I, well, there was talk about doing LEDs and running those down the side of my box so they would splay outwards and kind of run down if I could find some sort of fabric that was like a, a cellophane-y kind of gel material. Right, right, that's what uh, I'm thinking. Kind of like a, an optic... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an optic cable or whatever? Like if you've got a light source mounted on your back but that will carry out through... Well, that's EL wire, but EL wire looks like EL wire. Uh, yeah, it does. It looks like Tron, and that's that's why this is such a, a challenge: is is trying to that's figure out still look natural, but still be collapsible, um, and still, you know, be sort of movement based. Um, so in yeah. my head, it magically happens, but in reality, <laughs> it's a little bit tougher. But uh, just the photo ops, of course, I need enough space on a Saturday night at Dragon Con, which is at a premium. To have it like a ten foot wingspan to actually make that happen, yeah. but I just yeah. I like yeah. the idea of actually seeing a phoenix actually pop up behind somebody posing as the phoenix. That's yeah, he has just been in stuck in my head uh, for quite some time. So, uh, like I said, I've got a couple of friends that were kind of noodling around with it, uh, trying to come up with different ways that we think it could work. But we generally only talk about it at Dragon Con, and usually after a couple of drinks, we end up talking about something else. So <laughs> we don't get very far on those discussions. <laughs> it's hard to focus there for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. What's your what's your dream costume, Bo? Well, the one the one that I was I actually did a lot of research on and did like tests and stuff before I retired was uh, um, a uh, anim- Batman the Animated Series Mister Freeze. 
Ooh. I really, I really, really, really wanted to do it, and I did all sorts of all sorts of work for it, but I just couldn't get the dome. They're just uh, you can buy like display case domes for like this is my doll, my fancy doll, and it's in like this glass cylinder with the curved top, just like you know, Mister Freeze's his helmet. But up to a, they are only acrylic up to a certain size, and after that, it's a glass. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's you know that's a bad idea. A, that's a trip to the hospital waiting to happen, and I don't I don't need to do that. So, uh, um, and you couldn't find so any I, terrariums. Did you not that were that sh- not that were that okay. shape. They you know it had to be that curved. And I looked into um, vacuum forming my own, but then all the research that I did into that made the plastic would warp. Mm-hmm. So it would you know I, looking out of it. I would have warped vision, and then anybody looking in on it would see this warped sort of look. Um, but I mean, I was dead. I mean, I had I had the, all the armor stuff figured out, making out of L two hundred and and um, uh, plastic dip, and I had all that stuff figured out. And I was gonna like light, you know, light around the base with EL wire, and I was gonna. I mean, I was gonna shave my head. I was gonna do the whole the whole deal. Uh, and I'd figured everything out, everything else about it, except that one, just that don't. Uh, and then I retired. So. Um, but there's that. Then there's um, Jamie Ray's Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I really, really wanted to do that because um, sort of my my bag with costuming was I want to do something I haven't seen, or I want to do it best. You right. know, so I'd seen I had seen some Mister Freezes that had sort of danced around the dome. Yeah, you know, they had found a way around it, and 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 it just that didn't that didn't that didn't go for me. Yeah, I needed I needed that dome. I was going to do a ventilator system so I could breathe in there and and all that stuff. Um, but I, I just couldn't resign myself to doing it without the dome. I was like, I've got to do it or not do it at all. Um, and then I wanted to do Jamie, uh, Blue Beetle, which I still, it's still one of those costumes that I've never quite seen it done right or, you know, never, not right, but I've never seen a really good one. Um, and then, uh, then the, the cherry on top, uh, the one that I've always, uh, really, really wanted to do that, that, um, if I just because of time and resources uh, made it impractical, was I want to do Gorilla Grodd. Nice, I, wow! Like like the Max and like Sasquatch, I want to do a, just an enormous, terrifying, like the big open mouth with like the foamy, bloody foam in the mouth. You know, kind of just psychotic Gorilla Grodd with the mind control helmet on, and just yeah, that that's the one that I just oh man, you know, because because if I did Grodd. Who who else is doing Grodd? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know who's up there doing Grodd, right. and it's in my wheelhouse. You know, like that—that's my bag. Was you know those big costumes, and so to have done the Max, then Sasquatch, who who are relatively obscure, then to do Grodd, who's not an obscure character, but nobody does Grodd. You know, he's insane. nobody does. All, yeah, nobody does Ultra Humanite either, and that would be a great yeah. face-off to have to the you know Grodd and Ultra Humanite go facing off. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. So those are my dream costumes. I've I've actually got a couple of dream costumes. I've got one uh, that's just a straight up dream costume, and then I've got one that's a, a phantom troublemaker. I actually uh, two years ago, I think, drew up a full on wrestling gear style costume for Phantom Troublemaker uh, that is kind of a mix of a luchador outfit. And a kiss costume. <laughs> With, and I mean, really, it, 
with the boots and the spikes and the, the there were big silver boots there were big uh spiked wristbands made of sparkly green uh like boat upholstery material uh actually all of the trim on the suit was that it had a big open chest and like an open i mean it it's amazing and i'll i'll put it up when i post this uh in the show notes so everybody can see what i'm talking about uh probably never happened but it was it was a fun little I don't thing know, to dude, draw that, up that that can that can happen. That, that's, yeah, that's pretty doable. doable compared yeah. to what Spider and I. Oh, are sure, sure. For. But we're that's we're really talking attainable. about for for my level. I'm not sewing stretchy stuff. That's not happening. <laughs> this... Well, yeah, but that's when you that's when you say, "Hey, costuming uh, friends, yeah, that's true. here's that's true. Some money, and yeah. you know, and then that, that's what I that's how I did my tenth Doctor costume. I couldn't sew that coat. You know, <laughs> I could sew, but I can't sew that good. I can't do those wacky pockets and stuff that he the, the, he's got these weird pockets on the inside that have this yeah weird stuff no you, you go to you go to i can hook you up with a costumer man we, we can make that happen well and then on on top of that it's also going to require a, a uh, physical fitness regimen that i'm not sure i'm ready to commit to <laughs> yeah that's why i don't do mirror master anymore <laughs> the, the jumpsuit's a little uh doesn't leave a lot to the imagination uh and then yeah, my my other dream uh, costume, and this is one I've had for years and years now, and I've I've actually thought about now. I've 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 drawn up a couple of things, and I've I've been in the hardware store and thought, oh, that would be a good piece for that. But uh, if if I could just magically poof, it's sitting right here next to me. Have a costume would be trap jaw. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And I've seen good have trap seen, jaws. Have you seen the re- yeah that really good one the, for the two thousand X one? Yes, that, well, and that's the style yeah. it would be. It would be the large arm, and it would be. I mean, uh, it would be mm-hmm. the two thousand X, and and that yeah, I would love that. That would be fantastic. And I think that I mean, you know, it, it would take some doing, but I think it is fairly doable. There's nothing non obtainable about that, but you'd really have to commit yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, every time I see, like, the Spider-Man movies or something like that where, you know, all of a sudden Peter Parker has sewn this fantastic Spider-Man costume, you know, in five minutes in his bedroom, I just want to scream. I just, you know, there's a reason why costumes come from aliens or pop out of rings magically made, because if they had to make this shit, nobody would get fighting crime done at all. There'd be no fighting crime at all. Everybody would be home swearing at their sewing machines going, stupid needle, why'd you have to break four inches away from finishing up the theme? Well, and it's funny <laughs> funny how there are also never any, there's never any stitching in them. Like, they go out, uh, Spider-Man goes out and fights the lizard, and then goes home and presumably patches up his costume, and the next night, it looks exactly the same. There's no, oh, there's yeah. no, how, uh, stitched there's up no holes seam. or anything. When he takes his mask off around the neck, there's never, there's never any seam there, you know. Right, right. But hey, yeah. it's, it's, it's comic books, right? You know, what yeah. are you going to do? Exactly. But that's why we love them, because comic books. That's true. Because comic books. <laughs> well, to close it up, since this is a Dragon Con episode, uh, I'd like to get a Dragon Con story uh, from each of us. Just a, a fun, you know, wh- whatever you want it to be about. It can be brief or it can be whatever you want. Just just something that happened at Dragon Con that sticks out in your mind uh, that, that's just kind of a nice remembrance. Or a not nice remembrance. <laughs> um. I think for me, uh, it's no, it no longer happens, but the Dawn competition, uh, that they used to do a Dragon Con every year, uh, I started doing that and did that for about four or five years. And I took most outrageous three years running, uh, because I have a horrible sense of humor and, um, it, it seemed to appeal to people. So I, the nice thing about the Dawn contest is that it was really just sort of embodying the character and you could do some of the, the costumes that Linsner had drawn. 
but you could go off on a completely different tangent. So, you know, I did things like Carmen Mirandon and uh, <laughs> Disco Dawn, and I had a million of them lined up. Like, I would just entertain everybody at the after party, just going, okay, no, 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 we get, you know, a big giant champagne class, and it's Dawn Perignon. Um, <laughs> you know, just so, so bad. So many puns. Um, and actually, one of the costumes that I wish I had been able to pull off before they canceled that was I actually wanted to do a Dawn and Darian couples entry that was based off of the What's Up, What's Opera Doc, um, Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd uh, piece. Uh, yeah. I've been a lot of fun with the Chuck Jones backgrounds and everything. So, um, But anyway, one of my favorite memories and one of the best memories I have is actually a collective memory is actually the girls that I met doing the Dawn competition for years and years. We're still friends. We still talk. You know, they've had kids and, and you know, married and, and gone their separate ways. But the Dawn competition brought us all together, and it was we would have these parties getting ready where we'd meet up in somebody's room and we'd all get dressed and put on our makeup and then go down as a big group. We'd sit around backstage for a couple of hours, which honestly was maybe the only time I sat the entire Dragon Con. But we would just, you know, sit and laugh and talk, and I'd meet these great girls backstage who'd all worked so hard on their costumes. You actually got to talk to people and, and chat with them and talk about the characters and talk about their costumes. And it was just this really, really awesome feeling of, of a collective, you know, we're doing this together as a group, and we don't care who wins or loses. I mean, we all want to win, but I just enjoyed going out there and, and just goofing around and, and being a dork. There's a picture of me. If you look on the Internet, it's not that hard to find. You know, some there was a girl that was, you know, feeling a little, you know, uncomfortable. It was her first time. So I started acting like a dork backstage because I can do that because I am a big, giant beast of a girl. I'm over six feet tall, and I'm running around. And I just started flipping, you know, sitting in chairs and putting my ankles behind my head, you know, because I can do that. And everybody's just like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, pretzel on. I don't know. I'm just trying to be a goofball. And everybody started laughing, and it kind of loosened up the tension. Um, but we all just, we, you just, you just, those girls, we still talk. We're still good friends. I still love them dearly. And that, for me, was a big part of Dragon Con was going down there to do that. And I miss it a little bit. But I still am friends with the girls, so we still catch up. But some of the best people I met was doing the Dawn competition, and that's probably, you know, my best friendship, you know, dysfunctional family reunion kind of story is we see each other every year at Dragon Con, and we pick up conversations that we left off a year ago. Like, there's been no time gone whatsoever. We just fall right back into it. And that's that's awesome. And that, well, and that's one of the things. That, that kind of goes along the lines uh with my story, not necessarily the lasting, but the feeling of, of inclusion. Uh, the first panel that I ever went to, because I, I, I went for years without going to panels. It just, for a while, I wasn't even really aware of them. And then I didn't get what they were. The first panel I ever went to, uh, was a Lloyd Kaufman panel, uh, several years ago. And I went in just because it's Lloyd Kaufman. It's uh, Trauma Films. It's something I've been watching since I was a kid. And I figured, well, I'll check this out. It'll be neat. I don't have anything to do at this specific time. Uh, nobody else that I was hanging out with was was all that interested in it. So I went in by myself. And it, that's a weird thing, you know, experiencing a panel for the first time, not really knowing what to expect, and also sitting in a room full of people you just don't know. Because how often do we do that? You know, as individuals, we tend to to click up and and hang out with our groups and our familiar people. So it was it was odd. And I went in this classroom type setting. Uh, I think it was in the Hyatt, but it, it was built very much like a college classroom. And sat down with a bunch of strangers. And Lloyd Kaufman, 
I don't know if if you've ever heard him talk, you know how engaging he is and how entertaining he is. And he talked for a while and then took some questions and it basically turned into this big group conversation where all of us were just talking about how trauma does what they do, how independent movie makers do what they do. And it was so relaxed and comfortable. And I was like, holy shit, I'm in this room full of complete strangers and we're just chatting like it's nothing with Lloyd Kaufman. And that's what got me going to panels to watch them. Uh, just that I was like, oh, I get it now. I, I get that it's this. Uh, now, some panels aren't as interactive as others, but when you go to, uh, you know, the, the guests that are a little more into talking to people or certainly fan panels, it's that big group discussion that I, I just thoroughly enjoy. Yep. Well, I've had, oh man, I've been going to DragonCon for so long. I think this is my 17th year and, um, I always used to work. I've never, not, I've never been just a, a, a regular con guard. I've always been working the convention in some manner or form. Uh, I used to work the Odin's Cosmic Bookshelf booth for every year of the convention up until last year when I became the director. Um, so I've had many varied and interesting experiences at the convention. Um, but I, I have to say, like, doing the Sci-Fi Janitors thing um, really changed the game for me as far as, like, having fans and... and um, just and I, I had never really I like like you I had never gone to panels before I was there for the costuming, selling selling comic books, putting on costumes, and partying, and in the gaming room. Those are my four things. I never went to panel. I think I went to one Farscape panel one year and it was cool, um, but but I that was never on the radar for me. Uh, but I have to say we had one young girl fan last year in the Sci-Fi Janitors panel, and she bought this little panda doll with her. Um, and uh, the the video of it is online, but we she was right up in front and was really excited the whole time. And so we 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 asked her to come up on on stage with us, and then you know we filmed the whole thing. Uh, so she put her little panda up with the janitors, and we did this whole little bit. And it just I mean it just made this little girl's day. Like it was so cool um, to you know. And it's one thing to have people come up and like, you know, like, oh, will you sign this thing for me or whatever? But like, actually getting to like put her on camera with her little, with her little panda and everything was just, just a treat. And then I like, I've seen a blog entry by her mom, uh, online talking about the experience and how, you know, it just was so wonderful for this little girl and everything. And I, I'd never, I guess, you know, the convention had always been just like a, a my experience, and it was the first time that like my experience made somebody else's experience really awesome. Uh, so I think that was pretty great. I have to say that's like a really up there top ten journey Actually, experience. Actually, and it's and it's interesting you bring that up because you don't realize how what you do can impact somebody else. One of the questions yeah. that came up on a, a cosplay panel at HeroesCon this year was, okay, I'm going to make these costumes. Where else am I going to wear them, you know, other than just at a convention for a couple of hours? And everybody came up with so many other reasons to wear costumes. The biggest one being, of course, um, one of my favorite uh, charity groups um, is the, uh, the Heroes Alliance. And yeah. they make hospital visits. They do hospital visits in costume to cheer up kids. I have seen just some just some awesome stories come out of that where, you know, you go into a cancer ward or, or a burn unit and... You know, for an hour, you're entertaining kids because you're dressed as Superman or Spider-Woman or, or something, and it just turns their day around, 
of not having to worry about stuff just because you were there in costume. Um, yeah. Free comic book day this year, I had a parent follow up with me later, but uh, there was a young boy there, and uh, he, I believe, um, he may have Down syndrome, I'm not exactly sure. He's very shy, very quiet, um, needs to have a lot of attention, um, but doesn't talk. But he came up to me, and I was dressed as Wonder Woman, and apparently he's come up to me before uh, in, others, in other places um, just to watch me, but he actually came up and he sat in my lap, and his dad dropped me a note afterwards saying how I totally made his kid's day. Um, he didn't say anything, he just wanted to sit in my lap. And I'm like, you know, for wearing a costume to make some kid's day brighter, any child's day brighter, for whatever the reason, yeah. totally worth it, totally worth it. And, that's, you know, it's great to run around and have a good time, you know, as yourself, because... Lord knows my liquor cabinet needs to get restocked before I head down to Dragon Con. So you know, there's some shopping that needs to happen and some experimentation in the liquor department. But, um, you know, we have a great time and we do all this stuff, but it's as much for other people as it is for us. And I love the family costumes. I love it when I see a family that's dressed as like the Incredibles or they do a yeah. big costume. That's To me, that's just or awesome. Or the Judge Dreads. Did you guys yes. see the Judge Dreads? Yes, they actually, uh, I know those guys and they're awesome. He loves doing the, the family, um, the family groups. Uh, it's, it's so, that, that's the kind of thing that just warms my heart and makes me smile. And, you know, that's them giving to me whether they realize it or not. You know, they brighten my day, uh, by being awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, I mean, Dragon Con just makes me so happy. It's like we do Dragon Con and then Halloween comes and I'm like, eh, alright. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I used to be so big into Halloween, and I'm like, ugh, I just did all that. Like, <laughs> yes. what? Ugh, okay, I, I guess. I want to put all that stuff on again. Fine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, first world customer problems. <laughs> well, I think we can all pretty much agree that, that Dragon Con is one of the high points of the whole year. I, I think we all look forward it's, to it's and prepare Mardi for it. It's Mardi Gras. It's Mary Geekmas. Yeah. It's... Mm-hmm. You know, like that, like that's something that I started doing a couple years ago. And when I see other people do it, like uh, I, it always makes me happy. But to, like to wish people happy Dragon Con, mm-hmm. like because it's a holiday to us. I mean, it's to me, it's like it's the beginning and the end of the year. Yeah, there's a group, you know? there's a group now that comes out in tuxedos and gowns and they toast at midnight on Thursday and it's their New Year's yeah. Eve celebration and it's awesome. <laughs> oh, that is nice. Yep. I, I wouldn't wear that one. That's good. But it, yeah, they can- yeah, it's they usually uh, do they do it in the Marriott now? I know they used to do it in the Hyatt. Um, I'm not sure where they're doing it. I know I see them walking around at the Marriott, but then everybody's walking around the Marriott on Thursday night. So it's, uh, it's, I just, I, my friends are like, oh, it's an hour. I've got to go change into my tux. I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> go do that. I, I do, I do remember, I think, in the, being in the Marriott like two years ago and midnight happened and I didn't realize it was midnight, but suddenly the entire floor just like erupted. In this mm-hmm. crazy roar. And I was like, what is going on? They're like, it's midnight. Dragon Con started. I'm like, oh. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, it has to have been a couple of years ago because now Thursday is yeah. new Friday, so. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I made the but mistake. Like, but like, if you open the door for somebody and they're just like, oh, thank you. I'm like, Merry Dragon, you know, Happy Dragon Con, Merry Geekmas, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it, 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 it's a special time. And, and yeah. I think that like, recognizing it as such is kind of, is kind of great. I always, I end up spending the entire like week beforehand, you know, where we're packing and, and checking lists and checking them. I, I'm like, I'm checking my lists. I'm checking them at twice. The back of my <laughs> head is running. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's like Christmas. It's like, I cannot wait. You know, the, the four hour drive from Charlotte to Atlanta takes like no time at all. I don't know why it takes eight hours to drive back or it feels like that, but I think it's because I'm exhausted and we're like, are we there yet? Are we home yet? Can we crush it? Yeah. Me and my roommate. <laughs> 
my roommate, we would sing this song uh, that I we can never remember the lyrics to, but it's it's our post Dragon Con song to the tune of Tannenbaum. <laughs> we're like, oh, Dragon Con. So like, as we're packing the bags and like <laughs> checking out of the hotel, we sort of sing this like sad Dragon Con song. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is that you're like, oh my god, it's it's Thursday. It's like, oh my god, it's only Thursday. Oh my god, it's only Friday. There's Friday. this weekend. Oh my god, it's only Saturday. And then you're like, oh, it's Monday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It is weird fun. that that kind of hill that you hit because there will be a point on Saturday where you realize, like, oh gosh, it's almost halfway done. What's yeah. going on? What have I not done? What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And the other weird thing about Dragon Con is it's the only time of year where I can live like I lived when I was like 25 years old and drink almost constantly and (laughs) not get very much sleep and still function. I can't do that other times of the year at all, but I get down to Dragon Con and it's just that invigorating energy that's that's just in the whole place just motivates me to, to... power through it now granted i pay for it the following week mm-hmm. oh sure but uh thursday or tuesday tuesday is i will crawl into a hole and i'm not coming out until 24 hours have passed yeah. uh kind of thing um but yeah man by monday i'm just so wrecked like yeah especially you know i mean now that now that it's actual work and stuff and i'm stressed about it you know i can't just enjoy it um I mean, I still enjoy it, but there's like a million. I'll, I, like last year, all I felt like I did was put out fires. Like it was just like, oh god, what's the problem now? Oh god, what's the problem now? Oh god, what's the problem now? Who needs what? Okay, oh god. Um, well, every time I saw you still- last year, you looked like Doc Brown after Marty had told him how much <laughs> power the DeLorean required. Yeah, I got a lot of that. They were like, "Bo, are you okay? How you doing?" I'm like, "I'm fine. I'm fine. I just, I just, just like a million things gotta do, but I'm not fine. How are you? Are you having a great Dragon Con? Awesome. Cool." <laughs> Well, and yeah, that's 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 the craziness that happens. But it's like you, and that's the thing. You look at the pictures later, and you're like, oh, I was totally supposed to see so and so, and I never saw them. But you know, you can't get a, a phone, you know, you can't get a text through to anybody, you can't get a call into anybody because the, you know, the whole system is just overloaded with people doing fifty-five thousand geeks all using their phones at once. Yeah. Yeah, but can you find a place to charge your phone? No. Well, and that's that's an important thing. Uh, if if you're new to Dragon Con or maybe only a couple of years in, that's something you've got to go ahead and get used to. Is if you you've got to be able to give up your plans, you've got to be able to realize that you know if if you do, which you should be making yourself a schedule beforehand. But you've got to understand half of that stuff you're just not going to get to do. Yeah. It just yeah. isn't going to happen. And and there's because it be- can take you two hours. It can literally take you two hours to get from point A to point B in the convention. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it can. <laughs> you know? You're not going to be able to go if there's a panel in the Hyatt and another panel in the Hyatt, but they're one right after the other. You're not going to be able to go to both. That's just a fact. Right. It's just. And if you're in costume, and if you're in a costume and you're trying to, you know, you can't walk. You can't walk ten feet. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you want to do anything, I can't imagine you you'd be wearing a a costume because you're going to get stopped constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Back back in the day when I used to roll with you know a big group and some of us were costumers, I was like, "This is retarded. We can't. We can't. We. It takes us three hours just to get through the Hyatt. Like this is not feasible at all." So I was like, "Look, everybody's on their own. Everybody's on their own. I'm done. I'm out." You'd you'd get out of your room, you get out of the the elevator, and then you'd stop in the Hyatt, and you know, by the time you got to the escalators, I'm like, "Oh, my squeezy bottle's empty. Crap! I gotta go back upstairs because I gotta go for a drink." And by the time you get to the bottom of the elevator, your drink's gone. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy, but you know, that's what I think makes Dragon so special and unique. And, you know, everybody talks about SDCC and, and I've been to some great conventions around the country and I've enjoyed them immensely. Um, but there's nothing like that nonstop walking party atmosphere that I've Dragon been to has. San, I went to San Diego one year and that was it. That's all I need to do. Uh, and I went back when I was a customer. I took my Etrigan costume and I competed in the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. And that was a mistake because I didn't have a skit. I just had. I was like, okay, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna plan to place in the cost in the contest, but there is a DC prize. So my hope is is that I can at least maybe get the DC prize. And my only competition was two Wonder Womans. There was a a a, a regular grown up Wonder Woman and a little girl Wonder Woman. And I was like, okay, I think I have this in the bag. If these are actual, like, DC Comics guys, maybe they're going to be like, wow, Etrigan the Demon. Never seen that before. That's awesome. Congratulations. Here's $500, whatever. (laughs) But that little girl rolled out, and she's obviously, like, a pageant girl. Like, you could tell the story was that Daddy wanted to go to Comic-Con. Mommy, who's her pageant mommy, was like, oh, there's a contest. Oh, well, that's what we'll do. (laughs) <laughs> While Daddy goes off and does does Comic-Con. So she came out there and did a little lasso routine, and the whole audience lost their minds, and that was the end of that. And uh, But if you look up uh, San Diego Comic-Con Etrigan the Demon, you can see what it looks like to have thousands of people laugh at you. <laughs> That's the sound. That was the sound. Because it's not, you know, it's it's in the convention center. Those rooms fit thousands of people. Not hundreds of people like at Dragon Con. Right. Thousands of people. And that is the sound of a thousand thousands of people laughing. Like literally, I walked out on this giant stage and just sort of went like, "Rar!" Like <laughs> that's all I had. That's all I had. And, and uh, um, the uh, the Foglios were the were the were the hosts. And so I wrote on my little card like, "Say gone gone the form of man, do a little rhyme." So Phil Foglio said it, and then I came out, and then had nothing, and and just thousands of people laughed me off the stage. It was. Pretty sad. So I was like, "Fuck San Diego, this sucks." <laughs> and on that but note, yes. I think that's an appreciate note to wrap up our appreciation <laughs> of Dragon Con because I think right. that's all. Screw San Diego. That that is yep. how we all feel on a certain level. Um, guys, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, I appreciate all the costuming knowledge that you brought. Uh, I appreciate everything that you guys bring to Dragon Con. And I think we're all super stoked about being there in just a couple of weeks now, really. Just a few weeks. <laughs> but, uh, DJ Spider, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on Needless Things. Uh, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me online if you search for that DJ Spider uh, as one word. That will lead you just about everywhere for the stuff that I'm doing. But, uh, you will see me at DragonCon running around, um, in costume. Um, and also DJing on Friday night for the, uh, late night rave on Friday night at the burlesque show on Saturday night and also over at the aquarium. I believe I'm speaking on a couple of panels, but I have not uh, been told exactly which ones those are as well. But if you see me, please say hi. Please stop me. Please, you know, if you have a question or anything like that, I am always happy to talk to people unless I'm running late to something else. But yeah, feel free to, to grab me and snag me or shoot me a, lo- a note online. I love talking to people. I have a big mouth. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Mr. Bo Brown, 
uh, your Dragon Con plans are pretty much full up, I'm sure, although I know, yeah. and uh, I'm announcing this right now for the first time, I will be running the Masters of the Universe panel for the American Sci-Fi Classics track, and Mr. Bo Brown will be my co-host for that Yay. panel. That's uh, Super excited. Sunday at 5.30. So we, we're going to have some big stuff planned for that. And uh, if you know Needless Things, you know me and Bo can talk about Masters for quite some time. All day. But until next time, that's all we've got for right now. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys for being here. And uh, we will talk to you again after Dragon Con. See you next time. Toodles. There you go, Fanomaniacs. Uh, that was awesome. I had a great time talking to DJ Spider and, of course, Mr. Bo Brown. Uh, next time on the show, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you right here. I have got none other than the kings of horror rock, Calabres, or Calabrese, uh, as it might be. But anyway, those guys, uh, Jimmy and Bobby from the band, come on the show. They're going to be at Dragon Con. Uh, I'm going to be there. The DCW hooligans are going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, remember, you can download the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. Uh, and you can find me at needlessthingssite.com uh, as well as esonetwork.com. Uh, where I will be on the Earth Station Who podcast. I'm the co-host of that thing where we talk about Doctor Who, which is also another very dragon Connie thing. And I will also be appearing on the big ESO Network Dragon Con report. Uh, lots of stuff going on over there, so check it all out. Until next time, one week from today. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.